0: And welcome to the Local Government Association and UCL's Net Zero podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero. I'm Olivia Lancaster, advisor at the Local Government Association for our Climate Change Improvement Programme. This new podcast series aims to reflect on and share learnings from our recently launched Net Zero Innovation Programme, bringing together councils and universities. As you may already know, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. So in this series, we're focusing on stories from our Net Zero Programme, to help shine a light on how councils and universities can work together to co-create solutions to meet councils' climate commitments. Each podcast brings together participants with expertise on the topic to explore the opportunities and challenges of the programme together. In this episode, we'll be hearing from some of our teams to learn more about the challenges they've faced from the way they translate theory to practice to the practical impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be exploring their adaptation plans and how they ultimately overcame the obstacles they found I'll be speaking to two partnerships on this topic, partners from Hertfordshire County Council and the University of Hertfordshire, who are undertaking a project on energy usage in care homes, as well as a partnership between the London Borough of Sutton Council and UCL, who are undertaking work on housing retrofit. This series is funded by UCL Public Policy and brought to you by the LGA and UCL, connecting the work of research with the world of local government. With me today are Julie Greaves from Hertfordshire County Council, Mike Page from the University of Hertfordshire, Dermot Barnes from the London Borough of Sutton Council, and Stephen Evans from the UCL Energy Institute. Julie and Mike, I'd like to start with you. Julie, can you tell me a little bit more about your project and how yourself and Mike formed a partnership?
1: Yes, of course. In terms of, of Hertfordshire County Council uh, being a provider of services and also a owner of buildings, our biggest area of emissions is from our, our own estate. And so when this project came up to look at net zero buildings, uh, we felt that we could focus on adult care services and look at an existing establishment. And uh, we have a long working relationship with the University of Hertfordshire. So it seemed the right approach to, to work in partnership with them anyway. Um, so I had conversations with, with Mike um, and it fitted in with their agenda. So it, it, it's very much a, a partnership approach to looking at how we can help a care home to recognise their energy usage and therefore seek opportunities for energy efficiency uh, and make their living arrangements more comfortable, hopefully, for their, for their residents as well.
0: And Mike, how have you found the programme and project delivery so far?
2: We're really happy at the university that we're working with the uh, Harts County Council. Uh, it's, we, we had a contact group already w- with them, um, partly through Dr Scott Copsey, who's part of our smart mobility unit at the university. And so we had a contact group with uh, Julie and uh, we're really happy to be working with them. We're really happy to be working with them on this project because we've done similar projects in the past. I was involved with one some time ago now called the Easier Project, which was uh, environmental assistance to SMEs in the Eastern region. But again, it was about cutting carbon emissions through close engagement. So this fitted in very well uh, with what we wanted to do. Now, in terms of the delivery on this project though, um, as you can imagine, we're uh, going into care homes and it's actually been quite hampered by the fact, Well extremely hampered by the fact that uh, care homes have been shut down now since uh, since around about December and so we've had to uh, pretty much put the project uh, on pause in its operational phase if not its research phase so we're able to do some background research and some identification of literature but for the operational phase we have been hampered by the covid situation
0: thank you i'd like to move on to how the covid-19 pandemic has specifically affected this project and how you're trying to deliver it. We all know that care homes have been particularly hard hit. And I wondered, what were the practical challenges you faced so far?
1: Well, as Mike's already mentioned, a significant practical challenge has been access to the care home. Uh, We'd identified one care home in particular that we wanted to focus on because of the age of the building. Um, But that it's still been very, very difficult for us to gain access. Uh, Initially, there was the situation whereby nobody was allowed into care homes because they were trying to keep out from the care home uh, um, environment um, and then it became even more challenging because they were they were dealing with the care homes having to cope with death so we found it very difficult to engage with the care home staff and, and the care homes generally to to be able to even talk to them to because they haven't got the capacity to deal with anything else other than caring from their residents which is absolutely perfectly understandable um, and now the care homes are a little bit more open to access. They're managing, testing the visitors that are coming in. So they still have that situation whereby they are very tightly controlling access to the care homes. So that's been a real significant challenge, challenge for us. In terms of trying to a- adapt to be able to uh, still do this particular piece of research. Again, as Mike said, we've, we've worked with our consultants to look at some desk based work that we can do. Looking at historic data in terms of energy bills uh, and historic consumption, so that we can at least do something um, to take part in the project. And in fact, we've just been uh, uh, had some contact with the care home this week to say that they are hoping that we can arrange some access soon. We need to get in there over the summer months to be able to get a good full year's worth of data over summer and winter months. Um, so we, we're really hopeful that they have been able to to shift their areas of concern away from dealing with, with, with residents and, and um, uh, visitors in terms of COVID to be able to start thinking about how they recover from it and therefore can start thinking about other areas of work and allowing us into their care home to take some readings. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, over the next couple of weeks, we will gain access.
2: Yeah, a project such as this, I mean, I agree with everything Julie says, but a project such as this really relies on us being able to get baseline measures and actually baseline measures at a considerable level of detail. So ideally, maybe half hour measures on electricity or even continuous monitoring. Uh, room temperatures, carbon dioxide levels for comfort and for patient or or, uh, occupant comfort. So these require us to put various sensors in and to monitor almost continuously. And and that has not been possible uh, with the access that we've had at the moment. But without baseline measures, of course, very difficult to say what one should do, what one could do, and also impossible to know what one's achieved when one has uh, intervened. And so, as Julie says, it's been, you know, uh, it's it's not the most disappointing thing about the pandemic, of course, but nonetheless, it's been uh, disappointing that we haven't been able to to get in and do that baseline work, and we have been limited to uh, desk based work and also research because there is a certain amount of good research in this area looking at energy usage and thermal comfort. You know, at the other side of the coin when you're maybe not using enough energy or things are too hot, you're wasting energy by making things hot, and you're then having to cool them again, and yet the cooling process is Aren't in place, and you're causing problems to the occupants. So there's a lot of detailed work that we have to do on that. And as Julie said, we need to be in for a, a heating period and a cooling period. So we need to we needed to be in really ideally from December to 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 June. Uh, and, and we can reflect the other half of the year in that, as it were. Uh, but now we probably have to be in from uh, June, July to December to get this the second half of the year, because it's no good being in from you know March to September for six months, because of course you just all, all you get is a slightly warm season, and and most of your carbon emissions are in heating bills in the other half of the year. So that's the extent to which even a small delay at the start has pushed us back six months on the measurement period. Because we need that representative sample of temperatures.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for giving us some more information about that, and yes, uh, I'm glad that you'll be able to take out those readings, like you said in the latter half of the year instead of the beginning, and obviously get that data. I wondered if you anticipate any other challenges. Going forward now, as you are looking to the latter half of the year, obviously you've undertaken some of the other sessions with the uh, group in terms of the action learning sets, workshops, sand pits. I wonder if there's anything in terms of going forward uh, you think might be a risk or challenge.
1: From my point of view, I think we we do need to bear in mind that even though we may be allowed access to the care home, we still need to be really sensitive as to what they've been through. And also the fact that we may have to deal with another spike you know, towards the end of the year, unfortunately. So I think we do need to still be really careful around access arrangements and sensitivity. You know, we don't want to go bowling into a care home and, you know, let us see your electricity meter. Um, so we do need to be a bit bit sensitive around those messages. And then equally when we've when we've hopefully got the report and the toolkit and the and the opportunities to to make changes, we need to be careful about the language we're using. So that it, it, it it's the appropriate language that then can be rolled out within a care home situation and within a care home setting. We know that the staff within a care home are often transient and they have quite a high turnover of staff. So we want to be able to engage with the staff. Um, so we've already made contact with uh, one of our uh, care providers associations so that we can actually talk through with them once we've got the toolkit to make sure that it is pitched at the right level and, and we are going to into enough detail for them to be able to then implement what we're what we're suggesting in terms of potential solutions. So I think for, for me, there will be challenges. One, the, the main one will be around sensitivity and potential for a third spike. So that's something we need to, to think
2: through. There are also potential issues about the way in, in which uh, the measures that we suggest might interact uh, with, with COVID-type measures itself. And there's two ways in which it might do that. For instance, if we were to make suggestions about ventilation or something, then that's clearly got capacity to interact with what other people might be saying with regards to ventilation For COVID purposes, we might be talking about ventilation from a heating or, or, you know, we don't want to lose a lot of heat by overventilating. But other people might be saying, well, we need to overventilate to make sure that we're not swimming in in, in virus aerosols. So, you know, we we need to be careful that we're not running against uh, what sort of COVID recommendations. I think actually we'll be able to to make some, um, make some progress there, actually, because ventilation probably isn't that good in the sorts of buildings that we're looking at. So there may be an opportunity, and we hope there is an opportunity, to put the energy-saving measures alongside measures, which themselves have uh, implications for better comfort and better health for the occupants of the adult care home. The other point is, of course, access to funding for measures and the distinctions between capital costs and running costs and all those sorts of things. Uh, Whether capital funding is going to be impacted because there's going to be a lot of renovation work needed to to get COVID measures in place or anti-COVID measures, I should say. Uh, that's going to leave a sort of deficit or a comparative deficit on on the sorts of funding we might need to get energy saving measures in place one would hope that those two things are not going to set off against each other so we need to make the case that uh, that they should go forward together and indeed that they best go forward together
0: yeah, absolutely reflecting on the program up to now what is one key takeaway message for universities and council partnerships working to be more effective
1: i think the key message uh, is making sure that we keep open the lines of communication. Um, one of the things that I think has been really beneficial working with the University of Hertfordshire is that they're coming at it with a completely different perspective to local authority. Um, and uh, it, it's, that's been really, really useful and beneficial. And I think that certainly one of the one of the messages that I will take away or one of the lessons learned I will take away is to, to, to think about other perspectives and to get that academic oversight to, to the work that we're trying to deliver. And equally, I think academic um, pieces of work need that physical implementation side and knowledge and understanding in terms of how we deliver our services as a local authority. So I think that's that's been key for me.
2: Yeah, I think for, from, from our side, I've been r- really happy. I think the key things which, uh, you know, thinking about this uh, for us, our, our trust between the partners—that that that, that you, you you have to trust that you've each got each other's best interests in part, I, I, at heart—that you're not you're not just in it. We're not just in it for the university, and we trust that they're not just in it for the heart. Actually, we're all in it for the occupants of the care home, but also for the occupants of the planet that has to reduce its emissions over the next thirty years. Uh, so trust and, and flexibility—that we have to be flexible. We've you know just just we've had a pandemic thrown at us after all so we've had to definitely be flexible and and the one that julie mentioned that uh, really is is pragmatism that it's no good having a sort of pie-in-the-sky, uh, sort of university ivory tower approach to this. These are real people in real care homes. We, we don't want to be overly academic uh, uh, about this in, in this sort of slightly pejorative sense of the term, which I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm allowed to get away with, and, uh, Judy Wynoppe. But, uh, you know, we, do, we don't want to be over, overly uh, academic about it. it. has to be. If, if we can't make pragmatic solutions, then we're not making solutions at all.
0: And what about the future? Do you have any plans to carry on the amazing work you've begun as part of this programme?
1: We do. Yes, definitely. We're having regular meetings, um, myself and uh, University of Hampshire and also um, consultants around pursuing other, er, other avenues that this has helped us to identify. So definitely we'll carry on the working relationship. And as Mike said, you know, we had a good working relationship with the university before this in terms of our tran- certainly our transport work and our uh, looking at other, other means of transport and active travel. Um, So this is a a really good offshoot from that and working much more uh, broadly around climate change and sustainability and making sure that we do have, us as a local authority, have that academic oversight. Um, But we, we really do gain that different perspective on all the work that we're doing. So, yeah, definitely want to keep up this relationship.
2: Yeah, same from our point of view. Uh, these are our local partners. We, we're a, a big employer, not to mention uh, other things. We're we're a big partner in the in the uh, county, and in the locale that we're at, in, in near Hatfield. Uh, so we have contacts with Hatfield, well in well in Hatfield Council as well, and others, uh, St Albans and other nearby councils. But it's so important for us to be engaged in in that local effort, and actually the effort in relation to climate change has to be multifactorial. It has to be across the community, because if it's just done in a silo somewhere, um, it's not going to have a decent and collaborative effect. And if it doesn't have a decent and collaborative effect, it's not having enough effect. Um, because actually, if truth be told, we need to go a lot faster on a, on a lot of other things. So we're delighted to have a, a, our county council as, as our partners. And uh, it's been really productive and we've, we've got plenty of ideas going forward.
0: Thank you to Julie Greaves and Mike Page. I'm now going to move on to the other partnership, Stephen Dermott. Can I ask you to describe in some more detail your project?
3: Okay, well, on the UCL side, we have developed digital models of the building stock and um, in particular the energy use associated with each address um, in these buildings. And so it's it's a it's a geographical model so everything is in the right place on a digital map if you like and you can you can look at the 3d models of the buildings themselves like a 3d map but you can also get information about the energy performance certificates and the display energy c- certificates and the age and the materials and whether the building has double glazing and so on and we've worked on using this data to simulate both the current energy performance of the buildings and also to Digitally retrofit these buildings, which is obviously a lot cheaper than physically retrofitting these buildings, uh, and then finding out that you know something that you've done didn't have the desired effect. And I guess whilst we, we worked on these simulations um, of how a city like London might get to Net zero by 2050, we also became aware that we needed to engage with a proactive. <clears throat> local authority who already had skin in the game if you like uh, as some people say and we're actively pursuing retrofits in their building stock to kind of try to couple our digital model to what's happening on the ground and that's where we ended up uh, talking to Dermot uh, and Sutton uh,
4: about a partnership as steve says we we have been active in this space but in a in a fairly reactive way um, so, in common with many um, local authorities we we've we've made our, our climate emergency declarations and we've we've set some zero carbon ambitions but I, I would I would think it's reasonable to say that we really haven't fully understood what that means in terms of the approach we take in terms of delivering on net zero. so the relationship with UCL and building this three d stock model and and out of that um, looking at pathway possible pathways. Um, is really invaluable because um, whereas we are actively uh, retrofitting 100 homes at the moment and we've got another 40 or 50 or so coming on online, the scale up for us is really, really challenging from a financial point of view as well as from a a kind of human resource and and data stroke knowledge uh, point of view. So, using the model that, that Steve and the team at the Energy Institute have developed um, is an amazingly enabling way uh, for us to start moving this forward out of the, the initial sort of pilot stroke learning projects that we're working with, and, and uh, making a plan, a strategy um, to to get us to zero carbon. You know, w- without this this sort of tool, without this high level um, strategic overview it'll be really difficult. So I, I see this as an enormously positive uh, step forward for us.
0: That, that's really uh, helpful to know and really enlightening. I think this is obviously a very timely project as well. So um, I wondered if the programme has actually helped in strengthening the partnership between yourselves. And if it has, uh, could you give us a bit more detail on that?
4: I, I can say for, from our point of view, it's been a great opportunity to understand a little bit more of the, the wider work that UCL is engaged with in, in this space. Um, and you know, we, we are hoping to be able to contribute to that. We, we've made some small contributions in, in the form of some meetings we've had with, with other councils who are, are in this space, um, looking at how we, we can develop this. And slightly more broadly than that, um, I'm also studying at UCL at the moment, so it's been a useful connection point there as well and from the UCL side, I think someone once said that
3: uh, all models are wrong, but some are useful, and I guess for us that is the kind of driving thing and the part that has really kind of helped to strengthen our partnership um, is the is the is acknowledging that whilst our model is hopefully useful, um, it could become more useful by ground-truthing the model to a local authority that really is uh, dealing with these problems and uh, pointing out errors and assumptions in our model that that may be kind of steering the whole thing in the wrong direction compared to what it's like to deal with this on the ground as a local authority.
0: I'm going to move on to uh, your challenges now. So, Dermot and Stephen, you've had your own challenges to address during this project. I wondered if you could tell us a bit about how those were. Steve, I'm going to go to you first.
3: Well, I think probably the, the, the main challenges have been COVID-linked in the sense that um, whilst it's a digital model and we're very lucky that we can do a lot of this stuff remotely, it is still hard to work um, you know, separate from the teams and whilst Zoom meetings can help, you really can't beat that interaction that you get when you're in the same room. Uh, And so from that perspective, uh, this is not the way we would normally choose to work on this kind of project. Um, But, you know, everybody's uh, facing those challenges at the moment. We're we're not unique there and you just have to uh, get on with it as the best you can.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, we've had numerous challenges in some of the mainstream delivery work we're doing, um, you know, around, around COVID impacts. I think that in terms of the relationship and this particular project with UCL, the challenges have been relatively easily overcome, uh, thus far. Um, so really we, we need as an organization, uh, we look carefully at the quality of the data, um, uh, as Steve will tell you, um, better than, better than I can, um, the usefulness of that model depends really on the quality of the data that goes into it. And I think because this is a new, a relatively new area for us and most councils to be looking, you know, in depth at energy. um, I I think it's fair to say that some of the data we have is not really um, as, as high quality as, as we would like. And we're fortunate at the moment in having a, a stock condition survey that is, is being carried out uh, across all of our dwellings. so that is trying to rectify that and, and the timing is it's probably not perfect, but it's not too far off. Um, so we will start with a model which probably has some imperfections. Well, we'll certainly have some imperfections, so we'll, some data will be, will be missing, but we'll be able to fill that in. I mean I think the beauty of the model that, that we're working towards is that it is going to be a working tool. So the outcome, or, or I should say the output of, of this collaboration is not just a report, um, you know, which may gather, de- gather dust like many reports do. Um, it's actually a working tool that, that our colleagues um, in the council and, and in our uh, housing, um, Ulmo, will be able to use. Um, so yes, there are challenges around disseminating that, getting the buy-in across the organisation um, at our level, um again we're talking about councils and organizations that are only starting to address this and need, you know, needless to say, they have other challenges um for their time or, or our time as well. Um so yeah, I'm optimistic about the challenges, but um, they're nevertheless there and we have to work together, as Steve said, and just overcome them overcome them, and get, get on with it.
0: Absolutely. I think, I think that's true of, of most of our projects as well. And I think some of the challenges you've just described have, have, come, across, have uh, come up for other projects that are in the programme as well. I wondered if you could maybe give me a bit more information about how uh, the road to delivery looks from here and what the next stages you guys are going to take next.
3: Okay so from our side um the uh, the model of Sutton of all of the housing in Sutton is up and running. And we're just uh, quality checking that at the moment and then starting to fit uh, to that model uh, uh, the social housing data from Dermot in order to pick out just those specific buildings that they are responsible for. Um, And so, uh, there's a fair bit of tweaking behind the Code that's going on there before we can then produce the uh, some of the basic scenarios that we're going to start with on the model, and then I guess beyond that, once we have uh, that model in in a decent state, we're looking at um, getting a copy of it into uh, the hands of uh, Sutton Housing and helping them with a bit of training. So that they can explore things themselves within the model um, and I think that's kind of one of the key things going forwards is is getting people in uh, at, at, at Sutton to, to buy into this model um, you know a model is useless if nobody believes in it or wants to use it um, and it just sits on a shelf so um, yeah, I mean, I guess trying to engage people with it and uh, hopefully get them to see that it, it could be of use to them is the next step.
4: I think I would echo what 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 Steve says. Certainly, in terms of the process, it's it's fairly fairly a linear progression. Um, with some data coming from us into Steve, and and then some data coming back to us in the form of the tool. So, um, you know, our, once those couple of steps have have taken place. Um, and and i guess in parallel with that you know we're we're looking to ascertain within the the council as well as um, um Southern housing partnership who are going to be the best people um to to sit this with um i'll be one of them um but we need we need probably a, a, at least two different people from both the council as well as um shp um, so that there is a, a wide enough knowledge uh, and and skill set to be able to interact with the model. There'll be a, a small mountain to climb around the actual pathways that we, we look to map um, out, out of the model, and we'll need a, a close degree of interaction internally and externally with Steve and others to make sure that the data we, we feed in there um, around the costs of particular you know, retrofit pathways, um, around the, the actual data we're gathering through our stock condition survey, um, can all feed in. Um, and of course, like, like you know all of these models, they're, they're, a, they're a living organism almost, and, and you have um, accurate at, at, at 3 305, not necessarily being accurate at 310. So so, yes, those are the next steps for us.
0: Thank you. Could I ask you to reflect on the programme up to now and uh, what would be your key takeaway message? So what would be the message you would give to councils and universities looking to undertake a similar partnership and how they could be more effective in working together?
3: So I think from our side, um, uh, communication is, is, is a key uh, element and certainly, um, you know, good quality communications and regular communications are key to this. And yeah, I mean, harking back to what I said earlier um, in non-COVID times, probably a few face-to-face meetings <laughs> would be uh, very useful going forwards, but we've made good with, with what we can.
4: I would agree fully with what, what Steve has just said, um, and I would probably extend that to say that there's a careful piece of work that needs to be done around expectations. And, you know, St- Steve's model and the work that the Energy Institute is doing is enormously impressive and, and a very powerful tool. What I think is really important is when you're communicating this to colleagues because at a certain level, the the, the project owner, um, let's call them that. Will will understand much more than other colleagues will. A, what actually will be delivered, and and B, what won't be delivered. So I I think it's super important to to flag up as early as you can in your dissemination or communication with colleagues um, activities that that there are limitations and expectations should be set around what's possible and what's not possible, and what additional resource and thinking will need to follow? And in our case, there's there's an awful lot of work that we'll need to follow out of the the, the work that Stephen and, and ourselves are doing to 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 d- deliver that model. Um, so it's almost that you know flagging up what won't happen as well as what will happen. It, one is almost a, you know the former is more important almost than the latter,
0: and. Looking at the future, do you have any plans to carry on the amazing work you've begun as part of this program?
4: So, from
3: our side, from the UCL side, we are committed and we were committed before this project to uh, a long term investment, if you like, in these digital models of the building stock. And, um, you know, they are an investment both in terms of building the model and inputting the data, but also in terms of being able to model future scenarios um, that we might not have uh, even conceived yet. Um, and so for us, we are. this is certainly not a one-off project and we are hoping to, to continue beyond here. And it would obviously make sense if Sutton were interested in using the model for future work. So we're hopeful that this is the beginning of an ongoing relationship, but budgets are obviously tight and the future is always uh, uncertain. So nothing can be Said for sure. And I guess, you know, my my kind of last point there would be that at the end of the day, these energy reductions required to bring buildings into line with the targets for net zero are hugely ambitious and very costly. So it's going to require a lot more money, um, not just for these kind of projects, but for the actual implementation of the work.
4: Again, uh, I would agree with Steve. I think the question. The question for us is is really how, rather than if, we we manage to to continue the relationship with with UCL after this project. Um, I'm sure there's there's mutual value, and we need to tease out the best way of doing that. And perhaps slightly beyond the three three sto- D stock model work. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of passionate interest in in energy and buildings in in UCL. It's it's, it's a core Foundation of the whole uh, Bartlett, and, and clearly, if we are actively working in this space as we are, and hopefully gaining the additional support that Steve was referring to from central government and from regional government, we we can move this together in a in a meaningful way that lets us deliver the changes we need to deliver on the ground, and helps us to disseminate that that success to to other councils and other organisations. So, you know, it's not an isolated success story, but that we can we can build on it and help others to, to do the same.
0: Well, that's a very encouraging note to end on. So thank you both for your time and your answers today.
4: Thank you. thank you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Together Towards Net Zero. This episode was presented by myself, Olivia Lancaster, produced by UCL and LGA with support from UCL Public Policy and edited by Nathan Copeland. Our guests today were Julie Greaves, Mike Page, Dermot Barnes, and Stephen Evans. To find out more about the Net Zero Innovation Programme, visit www.ucl.ac.uk slash public-policy. If you would like to hear more podcasts from UCL, then head to ucl.ac.uk slash ucl-minds slash podcasts. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time.